Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, and welcome back to My Business Playbook. Today, we are joined by Saxon Wright of Pablo and Rusty's and Husky to talk all things startups, scaling, and sustainability. He is the founder of one of Australia's top specialty coffee companies, that's Pablo and Rusty's, and the co-founder of sustainable coffee cup, Husky. Now, this guy, he is this kind of weird mix of creative, but also super strategic and and really executes on all his ideas. So it just seems like every company he works with just explodes. It grows exponentially. So I really wanted to talk with him about, like we talk a little bit about coffee because I like talking about coffee, but really we're talking about sustainability in business. We're talking about why businesses need to have a sustainability strategy, not just to look good and to kind of look after the environment, but also it's good business and it saves you money. So we talk about that. We talk about how to balance vision and execution. So you aren't just dreaming of ideas, but you're actually implementing. Saxon is the pro at this. Saxon also shares how to get out of the day-to-day in your business, the putting out fires kind of spot and move into the director founder role. You're going to love this conversation. And just to kind of give you a bit more context, Saxon has such a crazy pedigree. He's been the World Barista Champion judge for five years. He's been a Good Design Award winner. He's been a Green Globe Award winner. He is really the real deal. And like, as we kind of sat down, I realized, oh my gosh, he's like kind of this, he's an investor and a mentor to early stage entrepreneurs. He really has a lot of stuff going on. So you're going to love this conversation. If you want to feel inspired, if you want to really move your company into a high growth phase, this conversation is for you. Let's dive in to my chat with Saxon Wright of Pablo and Rusty's and Husky. Well, Saxon, thank you so much for joining us today. It's very good to have you here in my living room. having a coffee, chilling, and it's great to have you here in Newcastle. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Laura. Great to be on the show. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you are a man of many talents. You have a lot of things going on and, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your multiple businesses that you have going on. So tell us, what the heck do you do? How did you start? Uh, Look, I I do a lot of different things, so it's uh, (laughs) sometimes hard to to uh, package it up in a nice, neat way. I, look, what I do now, I guess, is probably a good way to start. I, I, I do oversee a couple of different businesses. So I've got a coffee business, Pablo and Rusty's. I've got a, a cup business that I'm a co-founder of. Uh, it's a reusable cup business. Uh, and I also work with other startups. I, I like to get behind small business. I love small business. And I think it has such a huge potential to shape the world we live in. And and. I love the people that are behind small business. So I do spend a lot of time trying to support small business, investing in startups and seeing them reach their potential. So uh, that, that's kind of a, a, a quick snapshot of how I spend my time spread across a number of different entities. So good. And I love that you say you have a cup business. And by cup business, you mean Husky Cup, which kind of took the world by storm when you guys launched, right? Talk to us about Husky and 
all the things you do there. Yeah, Husky's interesting. Husky wasn't actually an intentional business. Husky was a, a, a byproduct of an idea. We, we wanted to solve a problem. And interestingly, the best way to not just solve it, but to make it sustainable in the longer term was to turn it into a business. So the business was kind of the, the, the secondary component of it. But in doing that, it, it's now a, something that will continue. It's, it's now got its own resource. It's, it's self-funding, but it's also solving a problem, both at a, at a farm level and also at a cafe level. So we're trying to tackle the single-use takeaway issues, so trying to reduce waste for cafes, but also dealing with waste at farms. So combining those two things together is, is kind of how it all began and, and the, the end result is this cup. I mean, it's pretty simple on one hand. It's, it's just a, a vessel, but it's, uh, it's got a big vision and a big future for it, what we're trying to do with it. And it's literally made from coffee husks, right? Sure. So that's that's the primary <laughs> ingredient. It's the and what is husk? I guess is the question. It's it's a byproduct when you uh, in in the green coffee processing. So you take off the skin, you take off the flesh, and there's this fibrous woody shell around the green inner bean, and that gets stripped off and typically discarded. And for farmers, that's actually a big waste problem. So it, it costs them money to to remove it, or or it rots. And actually, it's a it's a it holds pests. So these mites and mice and other things actually live in it. So it becomes a real health issue. So they really do need to deal with it. And so for us to come in and actually take it off them is a a real benefit for them. So yeah, that's it's almost like a, a service. And then we're paying them for that. So it's an additional revenue source. And for farmers, that's really important. That's so, so clever. And I know a big part of your business and a big part of your mission is that you're really big on things being renewable, sustainable. I know you're getting into more things around biofuels and biocharcoals, which, you know, I I have no idea what those (laughs) things are. And I know also I have on good authority that you're passionate about gadangs. Uh, look, I, I need to be careful. I'm not sure who's going to be listening, mainly my uh, Your wife? my children. <laughs> um, but look, on special occasions, mm-hmm. they, they may uh, come out. That's true. So the question is, are you going to be making some sort of gadang plantation? No. <laughs> that is definitely not on no, my, on my not list on of radar. ideas. All right. Well, and a gadang is a, it's like an Indonesian cigarette. It's like a yeah, spiced cigarette, yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So... You know, you've built these businesses, you've got Pablo and Rusty's this, you have a cafe, like a bunch of cafes, and then you wholesale coffee, you sell retail coffee online, then you've got Husky Cup as well, and then you also do this consulting as well on the side. In your journey of building these businesses, I feel like we often learn from our missteps, and I always ask people, what have been your missteps that have actually led you to grow these businesses? What have been the things where you've gone, oh my gosh, we stuffed that up, but it's kind of helped us grow? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, with Husky is really interesting. We, we did Kickstarter and, and that was a great and, and fun way to launch a, a business. It was, a, it was new to me. I'd never done anything in that space before. So that was kind of a whole learning curve in, in itself. The the problem with Kickstarter for us was it actually gave us a global presence really quickly. And so I guess for myself, naively, I, th- I thought, well, hey, that's great. You know, let's let's go global. You know, let's go big. And so we did. And that, re- <laughs> that really took its toll. And actually, I, I look back and go, no, that was just, uh, that was a mistake. You know, we shouldn't have gone so so wide so quickly we just didn't have the resources the systems we 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 didn't have the supply chain set up so it it was a real learning curve for us to go actually you know we we didn't get that right like we should have been more patient we should have just been more contained happier with the 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 local market and just got some learnings from that and and built up so 
I think just taking that ambition and I think, you know, that and that that feedback that we got from all over the world was was really good and it's, it's, it is good to have that. But at the same time, you've got to be mindful of your own business and, and build appropriately and within your means and, and we didn't do that. So, and we're still recovering from that, if I'm honest. Like we're still trying to get over that hurdle and go, how do, you know, how do, we, how do we build into that now? I mean, we're in 70 countries where we've got, you know, multiple warehouses around the world. We've got multiple manufacturing centres. So we're, you know, trying to navigate that is is really difficult. And, yeah, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't advise that. <laughs> and we were just talking before we hit record around scaling up and being able to scale down. And talk to us about that idea because that, I've never heard someone speak about that before because I think we often only think about growth and getting bigger and scaling and getting the systems. But Talk to us about this kind of dichotomy of the two of those things. Yeah, I think it's it's really good to scale up. I mean, we're all trying, you know, if you're starting a business, you, you want to grow, you want to go big, you want to put yourself out there and, and, you know, scale up. It's this, you know, the, the, that that kind of idea of, of success and what that means. And I think that's that's great. I guess the advantage I have in having had, say, Pablo and Rusty's as, a, as another business that we've grown over a much longer period of time, that's now 15 years old, is to learn that actually you don't grow forever necessarily and and even though you might grow, you, you still have dips and those dips can really hurt if you haven't thought about what does it mean if you do go backwards for a period of time. So I started thinking through that idea of not just scaling up but scaling down and, and not scaling down to stay down either but to scale back up again. So it's really about just having dynamic systems or thinking through what, what do I invest in that's a permanent part of our business or what do I outsource and, and finding that balance between looking at suppliers that might be a little bit more expensive, it might be better to build that in-house, but then you have that as a permanent infrastructure and, and that doesn't necessarily allow you to scale back down. So the, the flexibility that you get working with different suppliers or different systems or even how you think about your products um, just enables the business to be a lot more dynamic. And I think it allows you to ride some of those waves more easily, um, even though the long term is to obviously keep growing and, and building. Totally. And I love kind of looking at all of your businesses and what you do. And I think there's something really unique about the, the way in which you run your business, because you've quickly moved out of technician mode. And I think a lot of our small business audience are kind of like on the tools a lot. And, you know, if, you know, if, if they're graphic designers, they're designing a lot. They might spend a little bit of time on marketing or sales, but they're really on the tools. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've moved from like, you know, if you get back on the coffee roaster, it's kind of like, where's everyone else gone kind of thing. Like you've built teams, you've built systems and, and you've really made it so that the business in a sense can, the day-to-day -day thing can run without you. How do you think someone could do that in their own business and how did you actually do that? Yeah, I think it's a choice. I mean, everyone that, that starts their own business, uh, they may or may not have their own idea of where they want to be personally in that, but I think that's helpful. For me, I, I did want to move beyond that and I did want to scale businesses and grow them. And so I knew to do that, I had to step out of that functional role. So that was very clear to me because I knew where I wanted the business to get to. I, I had a, a plan to scale and to grow. And so uh, that was just a choice that I made. Um, I, I have a motto it's a, or a phrase, it's, it's not mine, but um, the idea of only do what only you can do and really focus on those things that you are 
specialist at and really good at and and something that you really love because if you love something about what you do and you're really good at it it becomes sustainable so for some people that may be staying in that technical role and actually finding great people to run the company for them and that that's okay i don't think that's necessarily a problem what what's important is to recognize that though and actually make that choice and and the decision to stay oh, I, I want to be in this particular place in the business and add value in its in its with the, the largest impact and so definitely for me that was stepping out and and finding that and finding great people and and empowering those people and equipping those people to do their job really well and you know in the case of Pablo and Rusty's that was even all the way to to CEO where I you know, put in a CEO in place and have actually stepped out. And I now do the, the, some of the side projects. I work on green buying or some of the new product development and I'm actually freed up to be able to do that. And all the key functions are now taken care of. But that's because that's where I wanted to be personally. So Yeah, so it's kind of knowing yourself what you're gifted at and equally probably what, what you're not great at and hiring appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. I love the thought of, you think about like, artists and creatives a lot of the time they get into business because they they love the creative process they love creating they love designing and they love taking photos and then as the business grows they realize I'm now a manager <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be a manager so it's I love the idea of going well you don't have to be the CEO of your company someone else could be in a sense yeah, and I, I think there's there's entrepreneurs by need, people that are kind of forced that there's the only way the you know they're going to get to what they want to do is is through starting and building a business. There's entrepreneurs by passion, people that are just so passionate about something they just can't help but start something and want to get it going. And then there are entrepreneurs that are actually hardwired to create and build things. Yeah, and I don't think they're necessarily the same thing, and that's fine. I mean, I think they're all valid pathways for starting a business, but I, it does change the way you as that founder will see your role uh, evolve over time. Um, totally. And how do you, because obviously you're quite creative, you've, you're thinking of solving problems, right? So it seemed like Husky came out of this, the problem first, and then it was, oh, okay, this is now going to be a business, right? How do you kind of balance the creativity and the vision side of things with actually executing and having the systems in place to support those big ideas that you have. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of thinking about it because execution is everything. If you can't execute, you don't build anything. So the execution piece is is absolutely fundamental. But you need an idea, right? You need a great idea. And, you know, so for me, a, a business is, uh, is quite simple. It's, it's a great idea with great people and enough resource to make it happen and the ability to execute on that. So if you can combine those things. So I, I think for me it's it's been a process of um, jumping in and out of all of those aspects. Like I, I am really passionate about seeing good execution happen because I know that's what – they're the building blocks for long-term success. And if you don't take those little steps daily to to build a business, then you'll never see those those dreams or visions fulfilled. So uh, I think that's that's really important. But at the same time, stepping outside of your, your own business, stepping into other industries – you know, I love doing consulting because you're actually exposed to all these other things. So I, I enjoy that aspect of what I do now and having the visibility of these different industries and cross-pollinating ideas. And I think some some of the, 
the best ideas now are where people have taken from one industry and, and shifted into another industry or, uh, or they're looking at problems and how they can solve a problem. And, you know, for me, it's, it was very much, okay, well, let's look at the coffee industry and stand back. What else is happening in our industry? Let's yeah. not just stay focused on the one thing that we do, but there are other things going on in the industry and how can we participate? What can we do? And out of that, things just bubble to the surface. You just start to see things that you might not have otherwise seen. Totally. And because since, what, what year did you start Pavlon Rusty's? Uh, 2003. Wow. So that would have been, that would have been really early days of specialty coffee here in I, Australia, I, right? I don't know that there really was specialty coffee back then. <laughs> it was coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how Pavlon Rusty started. I, I actually was going to start a cafe, but I just didn't really love any coffees that were on the market. And yeah. so I thought, well, surely it's not just me. Maybe there's other people that want a different kind of coffee. So I actually started roasting because I wasn't happy with the coffee. So I kind of went in reverse. Maybe most people might start a cafe and then evolve up the yeah. supply chain. Whereas I kind of was like, well, the real problem is actually the coffee. So let's fix that. And then I then went back into cafes. So wait, how did you learn how to roast? Uh, so, well, I, I was actually at uni doing science. I ended up then doing sports science, but I was looking at uh, chemistry. I was doing a lot of chemistry back then. So I'm a bit of a science nerd at heart. Um, <laughs> but I, I was just working part-time at a roastery and the, the guy that was there said, you know, I was just sweeping the floors and packing bags and so on. But the guy that was roasting said, look, you know, if you, if you want to learn how to roast, I'll show you. And so he showed me how to roast and I was kind of like, so you just press the button, wait 15 minutes and then open the door. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look very, it's not very uh, scientific. Yes. So I, I kind of got curious because I was like, well, maybe there's a, a more scientific approach to this. Maybe I can think about what's really going on in the bean, the chemistry, the biology, the, the physics of the, the heat transfer. So I kind of just took all my science kind of thinking and threw it at, at, at the, the roasting process. And so, uh, and that's kind of how we've been running as a company. It's, we're very scientific uh, in our approach. Yeah. Um, a lot of roasters back then were, you know, artisan roasters, which was just kind of a nice way of saying we don't really know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so we wanted, to, I wanted to break it down into its building blocks and say, okay, you know, let's go back to first principles. What's really going on? And what, what are all the inputs? You know, where's the coffee coming from? What's the moisture content? What is, what's happening here? You know, what's the, you know, all these, I won't go into the technical side, but it's, it's, it's super interesting. And actually as an industry, we're now becoming quite a lot more scientific, which is, which I think is great. Totally. And, and I feel like there's also this awareness with coffee now around actually where where is the green bean coming from? Because I think more and more people are kind of wanting to highlight, okay, these are the coffee farms. This is actually we want to kind of support and kind of, I guess, shine a light on the, the coffee farms and the coffee producers, right? So for you, when did that was that always part of your DNA? Because I know there's the, the big sustainability element for you, but has that always been something you guys have looked at from the beginning? Not really. We, we started, you know, I was very much focused on the roasting itself. But again, you can't look at the roasting without thinking about the inputs. And yeah. so it wasn't long before we started looking at the green coffee going, well, what, what is happening at farms and what are they doing? And and then I did end up doing a lot of travel and I've travelled, you know, all, all, all corners of the earth um, looking for coffee and and realizing actually there's this, there's this such a story and a space for the farmers to get involved. And this, this new idea, well, it's not that new, but the idea of providence and where does our food come from? Where does, uh, where, how are things made at, at the source? And are people being cared for and thought about? And what is happening to the land? And, and so it really, once I started to see what was happening at farms that, that you know, they were doing it tough and, and 
they had problems and mm. so it was how can we work with them how do we partner with them to solve some of them we can solve some of them we can't solve all of them but we can work together so we started forming some really great relationships with these farmers and helping them with their with what they're doing and and we we can say hey this is what we need from a product and you know what can you guys do and we can pay more for that if you can do this or or that so it's just been a, uh, an amazing part of the coffee journey is to to really understand that origin story and 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 as best we can bring that to life for our customers totally and you think about it coffee is something that we all enjoy every single day right but you think about when you go to do a wine tasting, there'll be someone there being like, this is this variety, here's how we processed it, this is the type of grape we use, blah, blah, blah. And they really kind of tell you a lot about the origin of the wine that you're drinking. And there's kind of this interest around that. But I think it's really interesting that for a lot of consumers who have uh, multiple coffees every day, I don't think many people would even know what green bean is, right? Yeah, it's true. I, I it's, mean, there's a spectrum, I guess. Like yeah. it depends on people's interests and if people go digging. But, I mean, roasters everywhere now, uh, especially specialty roasters, and there's, there's some amazing roasters all, all over the country and, and they're mm. doing a great job of highlighting a lot of those stories. So I think there's a, definitely a, 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 yeah. a, a growing awareness from the, the, you know, the average consumer, the average coffee punter, you know, I think that is, that's really seeing and appreciating that. And I think the wine industry has been way ahead of us for so long that yeah. it's, it's great to see the coffee industry take some learnings from that and actually not just learn from it, but then develop our own way of doing that. And I think that's kind of where we're at now. That's kind of where, where I've seen a, a lot of roasters do a great job of actually turning it into their own way of doing it, not even just copying the wine industry, but actually, hey, there's a, there's a whole new way of a new language, a new way of talking about our our raw product and, and where it's come from. Um, totally. But we definitely have drawn from the wine industry and other industries and I think that's great. No, I love it. And I think it, it does give people more of an appreciation of what's in the cup, you know, what, what they're drinking every day. And I love that people are more conscious of, okay, I, I want to make sure what I'm doing is ethically sourced. That's a really cool part of the industry. I believe that if you can market your business, you can grow your business. So if you're a small business owner wondering why the heck your business isn't growing or you're wanting to take it to the next level, then my marketing playbook is for you. In this course that's designed especially for small business owners, we cover everything from social media, email list building, messaging, website, design, copywriting, Facebook ads, and more. The waitlist for my marketing playbook is now open and you can sign up to get first access at mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash course. I hope to see your name in there because I know this is going to help you grow your business. Where do you kind of see the coffee industry here in Australia going? What do you think is the next kind of thing for coffee here? Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a great question. I think the, the coffee industry is still evolving. I, I definitely see a move towards convenience and simplicity. So the, the specialty roasters uh, and the guys making great coffee are, are definitely heading that way as well. So there's, there's a lot of automation in the cafes. Um, things are getting faster and easier. There's uh, a big push there. I think the, a lot of roasters are moving into instant coffees and canned coffees and concentrates um, and uh, and, and I think there's going to have to be a bit of a shift for the consumers to go, but hang on, wait, isn't instant coffee 
really bad. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. instant coffee is bad if you buy bad beans and you roast them badly and you brew them badly and then you turn it into powder. Yeah. But what if you get great coffee and roast it really well and brew it really well and, and then turn it into something that's a, a soluble product? Oh, wow, actually it tastes really good. <laughs> you know, yes, so, totally. so it's a bit of a mindset shift that I think people will have to, to adapt to. But so that's, that's sort of one area and, and the canning as well. So we, we now offer canned products, which is really fun. So just making great coffee easy to find, easy to get, easy to consume. So I think making really high-end specialty coffee really accessible to the mainstream is something that I'm quite excited and passionate about because it's, it's really easy to, to, to serve a great coffee and a great experience to someone that walks into a cafe. But for a lot of people, that's just not realistic. So yeah. let's get great coffee to them in, in a way that's accessible and, and meaningful. Totally. And I love the the mindset shift around instant because, you know, even pods for me, there's this pod machine, a pod machine at my office and it, when people use it, it just smells so bad. Like it, I don't know what coffee is in it, but it's, it's just not nice. But I love the idea of, and you guys do pods now, right? Do you? Yeah, we do. Well, this guy <laughs> needs to get your pods because... Honestly, it's like I love the idea of specialty coffee moving into, hey, well, we don't all have to drink Blend 43 Nescafe kind of vibes. Like we can have good instant and good pods. Yeah, and the pods is is really interesting. The reason I hesitate is because, you know, I still have a a slight issue with the amount of um, packaging. I mean, ours is compostable and biodegradable and and all that, but it is still packaging and it still has, is a resource. So I'm still reluctant on one hand, but on the other hand, getting more people to drink sustainable and renewable coffee and and regenerative coffee, coffee that's, that's looking after the land and helping rebuild ecosystems is, is really important to me too. So if you've got to find the trade-off sometimes, like well, what, what, do we not do pods or and miss out on helping those people yeah. experience that kind of coffee, then that that's a decision and that's fine. But maybe getting them that coffee, even if it's in a format that they're used to now, is is another way of doing it. So, yeah, there's always some level of trade-off and I guess that's something we, we're constantly thinking about and trying to understand. But, you know, that's a... Totally. And so I, I want to kind of touch on your kind of broader mission in all the things you do, there is this sustainable, environmentally friendly approach to how you operate. And I can kind of gather that that's not just on a business level, that's on a personal level as well. Why do you actually think that's so important for businesses and particularly small businesses to start making the changes? Because I think there's a lot of push for, you know, government needs to do these big things and but I think the idea of it can kind of make it feel too big, if that makes sense. So I love the idea of small businesses being able to do their bit. Why do you think it's so important for small businesses to be thinking about, okay, what's the most sustainable way for us to run our business? Yeah, I think I'd answer that probably from two angles. One is consumers are looking for more sustainable products. So that's just, it's just a market demand. If, you mm. know, if, if people want it, you know, why not sell it to them and, and give them something that they are actually looking for yeah. and care about? And I, I'm seeing a lot more large companies pivoting and actually becoming more sustainable. 
uh, they're, they're doing a lot more. Their programs are actually starting to have a genuine impact. They're not just these token things on the side. They're, they're really shifting. So the, the, the expectation consumers have is lifting. And if a small business doesn't respond to that, then they're actually in a really difficult place because the big corporates are shifting. So there's kind of an imperative that I think small business has, regardless of whether that's their values or not. I, I just think yeah. it's, it's just good business. So w- why miss out on customers for no reason. So that's that's probably one side of it. But on the flip side, I also just think that all business needs to be sustainable fundamentally. If all businesses are extractive, they they take resource and they're they're pulling from the environment at some level and they need to respond and actually think about how to do things differently. And I think as a small business, you actually have a lot of opportunity to be more agile, to look at some of the new products, to to think about packaging, logistics, supplies and 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 how you're running your own business. Um, and engage that in what you do because there's a there's just an imperative that I think all business has and I think we can't just continue on an extractive mentality we have to be neutral at least and ideally even giving back where we can otherwise we just we're we're all in a bit of a a bind as a you know and, and small business makes up such a huge part of our economy so I, I don't see why we can't I've been through the process and if you know, the, the, the one bit of advice I've got is it's it's actually on the whole lower cost. You actually will save money being sustainable. Some of the things you need to do up front, there might be some extra cost initially, but they, they all come back. And and so there's I don't see any reason why a business can't be sustainable. I don't, it doesn't make business sense. It doesn't make commercial sense. It doesn't make operational expenses make sense. Um, it doesn't make know, marketing sense either, make, right? It doesn't make marketing yeah, sense. Yeah. You, you know, and even staff and hiring, like people are looking to work for places. So it's it, that, that are, have their values, mm. you know, aligned and, and sorted out in this space. So I think there's just every reason in the world to, to run your business well, if I can say that in, in from a sustainability point of view. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I have a couple of rapid fire questions, but I wanted to ask you two more questions before we jump into that. This is kind of a detour back to Husky Cup for a second. But one thing that always struck me about what you did with Husky Cup and I think is so impressive is, you know, from the outside looking in, it's you launched and there was so much buzz and there was so much so many people telling the story because you really seem to frame up the story really well. But one thing that I've always thought about is you launched a sustainable coffee cup in a market that's flooded with um, other reusable cups, right? Other keep cups Mm -hmm. and other brands. Why do you think Husky really cut through? Because you guys just, when you launched, it kind of just skyrocketed. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a what I think is an answer. I don't, I don't know if it's right, <laughs> but I've got, I mean, I've, I've got my ideas, but I, look, I think people are attracted to good design and I think our design was, was good. You know, yeah. um, I think that idea of co- combining utility, simplicity and beauty together into, uh, into an everyday object, I think catches people's attention. I think sometimes you can solve for one or two of those things, but it's hard to kind of wrap them all up into into that, but I also think it's it's connection back to origin and farms, and also trying to solve a waste problem. I think there's an element to which people want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and so I, I suspect that what we offer in just what is just a cup that just you know is is helpful to drink your coffee out of. Um, it is from, nice to drink your coffee out of. I've actually got one on the bench right there. They are nice to drink out of. Well, and that's important, right? Yes. Like it's the simple things that that, <laughs> totally. that need to work. So I think it's it's those those. Combining all of those things, I think, kind yeah. of helped frame a story that 
connected and resonated with people. Totally. Well, it was like a, it was like a PR dream. I don't know. It just took off. I just feel like watching it, I was like, this is just incredible. So yeah, I think you've done a really, really incredible job with, with the story as well. Like I think the, the fact that it's really clear, the name, the design, everything is, is really, really clear. So I think all of those elements, I feel like you're being a little bit humble, but anyway, (laughs) I think it's epic what you've done. All right. So rapid fire questions. Now here's how this goes. We try to make them quick, (laughs) but sometimes they're not. So I've got four questions for you. The first one, finish this sentence. Success looks like. Rapid fire questions doesn't mean rapid fire answers. <laughs> um, I, I think success for me is uh, is my, having my own time. I think time is what we don't get back. Being in control of your time is success. So for me, it's not being a victim of someone else's schedule or agenda. It's actually saying I want to do the, spend the time I, I want the way I would like to spend it. Yeah. Um, which I just to add to that would be to say. I think that's great because it's actually achievable for anyone and everyone. Like there's no sort of, I think the, the, the idea that you have to finally get somewhere in small business to, for success to land, whereas actually, no, you can have success the whole way if, if you change the goalposts of what success looks like. So for me, that's a, it's just a thinking differently about what the goalposts are. Oh, I love that. That's so good. One thing small business owners need to stop doing today. Uh, I, I think it's it's very easy just to get, bogged down in the day-to-day. So I'd say just stand back, look broadly. Look yeah. broadly at your own business, look broadly at the industry you're in, look broadly at the industries around you. Um, there's a lot to see out there. Not necessarily to, to do anything with that, but it's good to be aware of what's around you. Totally. What is the biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your businesses? Uh, I, I could probably give you a technical answer, but I think just as a, a, a something that I... I I've reflected back on is uh, just to enjoy the ride. I think sometimes you 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 get so busy, you get so focused on what's right in front of you. You get just you just flat out you're exhausted. But to actually stop and enjoy the moments of being small, I think you can. It, there's there's lots of wins along the way, and I think just standing back and enjoying the wins, the small wins, the the people you meet, the the, the things you get to do, which often you just you're just so busy trying to manage all these things. So I think actually just making, being deliberate about enjoying those, the, the, the small moments as you, as you grow from when you're tiny to, you know, even as you get bigger. So good. And then the final one, the best investment you've made in your business journey. The best investment. Well, I think the, the maybe it's a bit cliched, but the, the people, yeah. I mean, it's it's choosing the right people to go on the journey with. I I want to enjoy business. I want to have fun and enjoy that. And and really, the only way to make that happen is if the people around you are people that are not necessarily the same as you, but just uh, are, are good at what they do, love what they do. Um, so finding great people, I think people investing in great people is is definitely the win. Amazing. And what is like? You don't have to answer this, but just you can if you want. What's on the horizon for you? Because I feel like you've got so many things going on. You're a very creative human. What What's on the on your radar? Uh, I, look, there's a few things bubbling away. I, yeah. I'm, I'm particularly passionate about regenerative agriculture and actually seeing agriculture as a a way to solve our 
broader environmental crisis. I think agriculture has a, a such an opportunity to transform so many issues in, in one big area. So I, I'm kind of dabbling in that space at the moment and uh, I'll leave it at that, but there's a lot in that that uh, I'm excited about. I love it. So good. Well, where can people follow you, find you and... Yeah, any of your Instagram, LinkedIn stuff? Sure. I mean, husky.co for, for that business, pabloandrustys.com.au uh, for coffee. Uh, and otherwise, to find me, it's probably just on, on LinkedIn. It's just look up Saxon Ride and you'll, you'll, you'll find me somewhere out there. <laughs> so good. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Laura. It's been great. So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. If you want to check out Husky Cup, if you want to check out Pablo and Rusty's, their coffee, if you just want to kind of learn more about what the heck Saxon is up to, then head on over to our show notes. We'll link everything in there. But you know the drill. If you loved the episode, send me a DM, let me know, or leave us a nice review. That's always nice as well. But in the meantime, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Go get them.